Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the 514th episode of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you American perspective of our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments. Get your daily reading from me and other writers. Excuse me. I shouldn't be saying that because it's only me because it's not just the podcast. It's also a blog. Just go to DanielFeuerstein.com for the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. Um, chat room is open. Come on in and discuss amongst yourselves if you like. You have a question for me. I'll try to answer it to the best of my abilities. So as we move forward here and celebrate a, you can say, a successful group stage achievement to not just get to the quarterfinals of the CONCACAF Gold Cup, but winning Group B over Canada by a goal to nil, it's a you know it's a great job by Greg Berhalter to get the results that you need, and obviously the results are what you need to advance into the knockout stages once you are out of the group. But and and let me just say this: I, I am I am happy for Greg Berhalter that he has made uh, these results count, be that these results are the ones that put our national team into the quarterfinals. Yes, I also understand. I also understand that it's a young roster it's a roster that does not have any of our players that are part of the CONCACAF Nations League semis and final. I completely and totally understand that these are young players that are getting an opportunity playing for the U.S. men's national team. And as of right now, I think they're experience that they're getting right now is wonderful. Right now. Is unreal. But once again, the performances in two of the three group stage games do not match the results that they are getting. That is troublesome right now. That is very, very troublesome right now for Greg Berhalter and the U.S. men's national team. Now, obviously, the quarterfinal matchup will be this coming Sunday night over, I believe, at AT&T Stadium in, uh, in, uh, outside of Dallas, Texas. is where the Dallas Cowboys Stadium is. Um... Now, I forget the name of the town. I know that's where the uh, Texas Rangers have their ballpark over there. Um, 
in uh, just outside of Dallas. And I know that's the same place where uh, the Dallas Cowboys have their home stadium. But the truth is, is that the performances are not matching what's going on with the results. Because while Canada did improve their roster with some of these players, and believe me, they look like there's going to be a strong, tough side when it comes to international competitions or international competition, you know, for down the road, not just World Cup qualification, not just CONCACAF Gold Cup, CONCACAF Nations League. This is, even in friendlies, this Canadian side looked good and strong, but obviously the goalkeeping was very good. The defending was very good. The offensive players that we have, and I still believe, I still believe that at this moment in time, that this problem is going to fester. It's going to fester, and we might get eliminated in this knockout stage. So we'll have to wait and see what Greg Berhalter is going to do. I believe I got my old friend back up from yesterday's post-match show. And uh, I believe this is you. How are you doing? All right. I mean, you really don't think that the um, U.S. team is going to have much of a chance in in the knockout round? You think it's going to be gone? No. uh, No. No, okay. I think they have a chance. No, let me just say this. I, I do think they okay. have a chance. I, I do think that they have a chance to get to the final, but it all depends on what type of roster lineup Burhalter is going to put out there. I really believe that our guys have a chance to get to the final. But once again, you've got to wait for tomorrow night to see what's going to happen. Either we get Jamaica or we get Costa Rica. And whoever we get from there, I think we can defeat them. And then whoever we get in the semis, we have to look at that as well. And then if it's USA-Mexico again in the final, that's Mm. the big question mark right there. That's the only thing. See, this is what – I'm not against Greg Berhalter. I'm not against him. But I want him to understand that the way that he put his lineup out, for two games out of the group stage. I'm talking about the game against Haiti and the game against Canada. Now, let me just say this. Haiti and Canada have completely improved. Okay? Still, you get goals early in the first half, but then, you know, they kind of, I didn't say I'm not saying they switched off, but offensively they couldn't muster any other shots. Defensively, they were fantastic, without a doubt. They were fantastic defensively. I'm not pro- I have no problems with Matt Turner. I thought Matt Turner played very strong in all three group stage games. But when you're putting out a lineup against Martinique, and yes, you have to beat Martinique because Martinique is not a strong side, but you don't want to give them an opportunity to surprise you and shock you. They didn't do that against Martinique. It was Everything, you know, you hit the floor, you hit the gas pedal, you know, you don't get it off, you go forward and you do the damage like you did to Martinique. And that is the type of game I wanted to see against both Canada and Haiti. If you go 6-1 in favor of the U.S. with that lineup, 
that they had that was exciting, that was beautiful. I mean, that's the type of game that you want to see translate from Martinique into Canada. That is the game I was expecting. And it, it started off well. It started off well yes, in yes. the opening 20 seconds. But then something happened, and I'm not saying they yeah. switched off. They didn't show enough for me to say, what are you going to do when you're going to face a better side in the knockout stages? And that's my concern right now. But I do believe they have enough to go and get to the final. Who are you more facing, though, um, Costa Rica or Jamaica? See, that's going to be the big question mark, isn't it? Because I yeah, think yeah. Jamaica, I, I, I believe Jamaica has enough to, to defeat Costa Rica because the only thing is this. If you're going to smack Costa Rica in the face, you've got to make sure that you, you know, they don't wake up and put two or three past you. I think Jamaica right. is going to have to keep on knocking them out, put plenty of goals into their net, play you know, a physical style, uh, that you know they can play. They have some solid players. They have some very good players. Some of them come from England. Some come from MLS. Obviously, they got Kamar Lawrence. They got uh, Devin Williams, Speedy Williams, um, and also Junior Flemings, uh, Corey Burke. They got I mean Andre Blake in goal. You can't go wrong with him. You know he's been strong ever since he got drafted by the Philadelphia Union. He he he's actually one of my favorite keepers. In MLS, to be honest with you, outside the Red Bulls, he's one of my favorite keepers. I love how his positioning is in the 18-yard box, especially in the six-yard box by the net. Um, I, you, you know, if you can eliminate Jamaica and eliminate them with Andre in goal, uh, to me, you know, you've won. You, you you've won the biggest prize, you know, that you'll ever get. So. That's that's how highly rated I give Andre Blake right now. All right, you know because you know it was sounding like you know like you weren't giving you know King USA a lot of hope, but I was mistaken. No, 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 it's not that I'm not giving him a. Uh huh. I was reading your headline saying about the uh, the um about the Cup, and no MLS teams are going to be involved in the U.S. Open Cup. I mean, you know, half the teams well, that, that are in MLS are in this, this event, aren't they? Well, here's the thing. When we get to my guest in about a couple of minutes, oh. you'll hear the whole oh. thing, because apparently, apparently, something's been circulating from U.S. soccer. And these are the people who are part of the state soccer associations that get that they're discussing this situation. And U.S. Soccer is asking a question about, you know, what would happen if we didn't have any MLS teams in the Open Cup? Would it, would it make the, uh, the tournament, um, you know, credible or not? So, listen, there's, you'll get everything from... Pardon? I think you'll lose your credibility with that. I mean, it's exactly. MLS against... What, exactly. Against... Um, was it the, US, the uh, USL, the A League, or whatever my league is now? I mean, you know, who be left in the tournament? <laughs> well, that's that's the big question mark, isn't it? But we'll when when my yeah. guest comes on, when my guest comes on, who's from the West Virginia State Soccer Association, um, you'll get the whole situation oh, uh, right there. Yep. 
So, uh, you know, and this guy is uh, very passionate, just like I am, about the Open Cup. So you'll get that. But I just want to say this about, once again, I'm not blasting on Burhalter. It, I, I'm not I – I never lose faith on our U.S. men's national team, no matter who is on the roster or not. I okay. always believe our players – I always believe that our players are good enough and strong enough to go out in international soccer competitions to do the job. My concern right now is that there is a little thing inside of me that believes – that maybe the roster he put together is not strong enough. I want him to put out the best and the strongest roster out there to not only destroy and take out every opponent that they're facing in the group stage, but also in the knockout stages. That's all I want. I always believe in our boys. I always believe in our coaches, but the performances do not match the results in two of the last three games in this group stage, and that has me worried for a little bit. I want to make sure that Burhalter does not make a mistake here. I want him right. to – to me, the lineup he had against Martinique, that's the lineup I want against these players, against these oppositions now in the knockout stage. So, you know, can't take these teams uh, lightly. You can't take them for granted. No, no. You must go out there and make sure you're competing heavily and not switching off. Right. Never take your opponent lightly. That's something that everybody should know right from the time they start competition. I mean, before I mean before they – even when you're an amateur, like you're, you're playing mm-hmm. even in, the, in the, the minor leagues or little league, never underestimate the opponent. That's correct. Because that can come back to bite you. That is absolutely correct. Yes. That's right. And we can't. And I don't want that to happen. I want to see them win a title. No, of course not. They already got the Nations League title. Good for them. And now it's time to go get a Gold Cup title. Now let's show that the rest of the world that we can compete in soccer because everybody thinks that, oh, come on, you guys are from the U.S. What do you guys know about soccer? You're weak anyway. Oh, really? Yep. Yeah. I mean, because we didn't make the That's Olympic the squad this year. That's the one. But hopefully, you know, we'll make them make the World Cup. That's the hope. You got Now, are they, del- are they delaying games. the World Cup next year? Because um, usually you tell them the summer. But I know that climate out there that time of year in our uh, where the country is, I heard it's... Yes, uh, uh, you know, so what's going to happen is it's going to be in the wintertime because of the temperatures right. uh, not being as humid as, and deadly humid as it is. So yes, that's why it's going to be uh, middle of November through December. Ooh, right in the heat of the NFL season. Ooh, not smart. Yeah, look, look. They, 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 listen, listen, this is FIFA. They, they, they're trying to make sure that they don't have any uh, players... Uh, die out there on the pitch in the middle of the uh, Arabian Desert. So, yes. So, let me just say this. This is FIFA's call. This is not U.S. Right. Soccer's call. FIFA makes right. FIFA decides when the World Cup gets played. So that's all you can do. All right. So listen. Um, yes. You have a good evening. Uh, I got my guest coming Thank on, you. and uh, oh. I will talk to you. And please call again, and I'll try and call into your show uh, 
next time, okay? It's Saturday. Uh, you're in the Central Time Zone, right? Yeah, I'm in the Eastern Time Zone, yes. 5 o'clock, my 5 o'clock our time. Number is 512-543-4662. I just remember this. Lose right. the name, sports of the game. That's right. Okay. I'll be on there whenever you're ready. Alrighty. And uh, thank you to uh, my caller. Uh, who was on the post-game show yesterday of the USA defeating Canada one goal to nil. But now we have on the star of this program. Normally it's me, but he's a star as well. Uh, This is a gentleman I love to have on, coming from the West Virginia State Soccer Association, who has definitely brought great points to talk about our game here in the United States. The one and only Chris Kessel joining me on the situation we have the possibility of maybe MLS no longer being the U.S. Open Cup. Chris, good evening, and how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on this evening. Uh, It's great to have you on, as always. Love talking about the game with you all the way over in West Virginia. So um, just to tell us, obviously, the news that came up in my, um, my Twitter feed or my Twitter news line uh, really got me, you know, reading all the information. Obviously, you're part of the State Soccer Association in West Virginia. You uh, have to be notified of what changes need to occur in U.S. soccer business, whether it be uh, in bylaws of U.S. soccer uh, programs, tournaments, you know, what is available to not just the youth teams or the youth players uh, within all state soccer associations of this country, but at the same time for the amateur level, the semi-professional leagues that are under the umbrella of U.S. soccer, as well as, of course, whatever governs uh, soccer clubs in the state of West Virginia. And when, you know, this piece of information popped up about the Open Cup, and I'd like to read this first before I go forward with your answer on this. And it says here, from what you displayed on your Twitter timeline, since 2012, all eligible professional teams, uh, i.e. teams who are not majority-owned or otherwise controlled by a higher-division professional club, have participated in the Open Cup each year. Please agree or disagree with the following sentence. All eligible professional teams should continue to play in the Open Cup every year. And then the next one was, please indicate on a scale of 0 to 10 uh, what you believe the Open Cup's level of credibility would be with the American soccer community 10 years from now if all eligible – now let me just say this, 10 years from now is bolded and also in italic – if all eligible professional teams did not play in the tournament in each of the next 10 years – Zero equals no credibility, five equals average, and ten equals full credibility. I am shocked, and I, am, I, I cannot believe this has happened, that U.S. soccer is entertaining the fact that if none of the teams in the professional levels, which is, of course, we know Division One MLS, Division II, uh, USL in the Championship League, USL in the, the League One, and, you know, even NISA, which we know probably would never, ever leave an opportunity to go and, uh, you know, host uh, an Open Cup match. But, you know, when you receive these informational um, 
emails, letters from U.S. soccer. What did you think? I, the, you know, the first thing I thought was exactly what you thought, that, you know, MLS, you know, is using its pull within U.S. soccer to find out, you know, how people would feel if they don't play in it and because they don't want to play in it. And, you know, there's a lot to say about why that would happen. And, um, you know, there's a lot of speculation about why they would want out of it. You, you commonly hear people say things like, you know, well, MLS doesn't even care about it and whatever. But over the course of the Soccer United marketing contract, that U.S. soccer has had with, you know, with MLS and their subsidiary, Soccer United Marketing. MLS has been in charge of selling the media rights and selling the sponsorship rights for the Open Cup. I mean, that's not really super common knowledge amongst soccer fans, but MLS has been in charge of finding, you know, media partners and finding sponsorship partners. And when you look at the um, – you know, the, the, uh, the uh, budget that comes out yearly at the AGM, um, MLS has delivered $0 of media rights deals and $0 of sponsorship for the Open Cup during the course of the length of this contract that they've had, right? So this year, just a couple months ago, U.S. Soccer announced that they were going to break with Soccer United Marketing and put the media rights for all of their properties, which is the men's national team, the women's national team, the youth national teams, and the Open Cup, uh, out to bid from an in-house. You know, they're going to handle the bid in-house. They're no longer going to sell it to Soccer United Marketing and MLS. And within a month of that announcement, there is now a survey coming out, finding out how people would feel about MLS and, you know, potentially other professional teams, but MLS leaving the Open Cup. So as soon as MLS is no longer in charge of, you know, marketing and branding and selling the rights and all of this for the Open Cup, they want out of it. And for everybody, you know, that pays attention you know, to how the Open Cup has been marketed and its media rights partners and everything. I mean, I explained that it was $0. They weren't bringing any money to the table. They also weren't – it wasn't being marketed well. You know, it's been mismanaged for a long time. So the only thing that a reasonable person can come to conclusion-wise is as soon as they were no longer in charge of it, they don't want to be a part of it. And – there is a reason why MLS, you know, the speculation about why MLS would not want the Open Cup to be as big as it is because they would be in charge of marketing USL, marketing NISA, marketing their competition. You know, in the, in the soccer marketplace, why would MLS market their competitors and give them money? Which is so – I mean, that's just – I don't think that you, we can – look at this in any other way, you know, and that's what's happened. And quite frankly, it's um, appalling that U.S. soccer 
whoever within U.S. soccer's, you know, professional staff, I don't know if it was the communications department or who, put this survey out to, to help, you know, to find out because it's not appropriate. U.S. soccer is in charge of the competition, and they need to make sure that it's the best competition that it can be. And, you know, there's no reason to even question if these professional teams are not going to compete in it. I mean, when you see something like that, when what was displayed to you, what was given to you, and probably every other state soccer association in this country, whether it be East New York, West New York, obviously Florida, um, Iowa, even Hawaii, Alaska, I know they're not part of the mainland, but you know they still have an opportunity to go and be a part of this if they would like. It, it, to me, as well as a staunch fan of the U.S. Open Cup, just like you are, you know, when you read these pieces of information from U.S. soccer, you say to yourself, does U.S. soccer feel, and if I'm going the wrong way with this, you know, you can correct me, it's okay, is U.S. soccer feeling bullied by MLS because, you, like you said, U.S. soccer, this is the national championship of the game in this country. Mm-hmm. And, and and do you feel, you know, MLS can do whatever they want and not be a part of this tournament and U.S. soccer will, you know, cower when it's their tournament? They are so the they, ones it, that govern the game? There's a, there's a very interesting thing about that. And um, every professional men's team in the United States is mandated to play in the U.S. Open Cup. And they're mandated to play because of the professional league standards that were brought together and created by the uh, – it was the PLS committee, and which isn't a yearly committee, but it's brought by the president of U.S. soccer every so often. And they review the PLS where they created them, you know, a little – you know, around a decade ago now. But they mandated that every team that's in a professionally sanctioned league in the United States participates in the U.S. Open Cup. And two years ago, um, the Illinois Adult Soccer Association put forth a uh, bylaw and a policy proposal that was to bring these PLS, which are currently not a part of the policy manual or the bylaws, they are, you know, just... I don't want to call them secret because, I mean, you can request them and get the PLS from U.S. Soccer. They don't keep them from you, but they're not a part of either of the two governing documents of U.S. Soccer, right? Mm-hmm. So they, they put forth a proposal, and I helped write it with, with Illinois you know, Adult Soccer. I helped write this bylaw policy proposal along with a couple other people. But it was to bring the po- – the, uh, professional league standards into the U.S. Soccer Policy Manual and to make them be approved by the uh, general counsel, which is all the state soccer associations, you know, the board and the adult council and the, um, the athletes council and, you know, the other various members. So everybody would have a say in how, you know, soccer is structured in the United States as opposed to right now 
It's just a few select members of a committee appointed by the uh, president of U.S. soccer when it happens. So the response from U.S. soccer and their lawyers and a committee of lawyers aligned, you know, that are were uh, put together by the president of U.S. soccer because they, they appoint, you know, he or she appoints all of the members except for the athletes who appoint their own members. But that's not point. Um, anyways, they responded with a long thing that had a few points in it, but one of them was. According to outside legal advice, U.S. soccer cannot currently change the PLS because of pending litigation, meaning the antitrust suit. And, you know, at that time when it was happening, it was also the uh, CAS case about promotion and relegation that Kingston Stockade and Miami FC have put forth, right? So mm -hmm. right now we have U.S. soccer quizzing, you know, all these people that were a part of this survey – asking people if we should change the PLS to not allow professional teams to participate, even though outside legal advice has said that we're not supposed to do it when it comes to changing the PLS to allow more clubs to participate in American soccer of different, you know, types and to change a couple little items and where the PLS exists and who's allowed to vote on them and whatever. But as soon as it's something that MLS wants, which is to leave the Open Cup, people within U.S. soccer are now worried, what do people think and should we do this and whatever, when they've already said that exactly what they're asking for is not allowed until these lawsuits are finished, which makes it even doubly exactly. worse than, you know, hey – we're going to change these rules to let MLS get what the way that they want it to, hey, we're not going to let anybody else change these rules, but as soon as MLS wants to change these rules, we'll do it for them. And, it's, it's, and it, you know, it's frustrating. <laughs> it is. No, it, it's, it's absolutely frustrating, and it frustrates me because, you know, there have been times, and I've said this many, many times, about the Open Cup. You don't know what's going to happen in an Open Cup season. You don't know what the situations will be. You'll, you'll get maybe probably one of the most toughest matches ever, or you'll get one of the greatest explosions uh, in the world. I can go back to, uh, at the time, USL Championship, St. Louis FC um, against Tampa Bay Rowdies, and St. Louis back in 2018, I think, or 2019, they had that amazing run to start from the second round all the way through till the semifinals where they lost to Atlanta United that same year. New Mexico United had an exact same run. And after scoring first on mm -hmm. Minnesota United in the semifinals, they got eliminated, unfortunately. Um, and we can, I can go back all the way in the mid, I would say mid to late 2000s, uh, D.C. United – having a terrible MLS season, an absolutely god-awful MLS season. But when they got into the Open Cup, they eliminated all their opponents. They got to the final against Real Salt Lake. And what did they do at Rio Tinto Stadium? They squeezed out the only goal of the match, and they won the Open Cup, but they still finished 
god-awful, dead last, maybe near dead last that year that they won the Open Cup. And this is why you have a tournament like this. You don't mm-hmm. – this is what makes – this is what makes the Open Cup so special is that you don't have this in other professional sports leagues in our country. You don't have minor league baseball facing off against major league baseball teams. You don't have the American Hockey League fa- facing off against the National Hockey League. The, NB- the NBA's development league against the NBA, nor is there another NFL football league to compete against NFL teams for a secondary tournament trophy because all you worry about is who's being used in these minor leagues to develop players and then who gets called up to the majors. That's it. Here you have teams that, yes, are in minor league level um, leagues in soccer, but they are independent unless they're owned by an MLS team or they're owned by another USL championship team in the lower leagues. But you have these teams like Charleston Battery. We can't forget what the Rochester Rhinos did back in 1999 before. And, you know, you can say the same thing for Richmond Kickers. But at that time, the A-League was the first division league before MLS came as they won the Open Cup in 1995. This situation to allow the Goliaths not to be a part of the Open Cup is absolutely the worst idea I have ever heard in my life. Because you know as well as I do, Chris, you will never see the Premier League. You will never see La Liga. You will never see the Bundesliga. You'll never see Serie A or French League 1 ever tell their respective FAs, we want to opt out of our FA Cups. Exactly. I mean, you know, I mean, think about how integral all of those tournaments are to the health of the clubs in the lower divisions when like in Germany. So, you know, a lot of people, you know, that listen to your show probably know this, but a lot of the general soccer community in the United States probably doesn't know that higher division teams always visit the lower division team in, um, in Germany in their cup competition, right? So mm-hmm. when Bayern comes and visits, the stadium is packed, you know, and they have the TV money that comes and everything that happens, and they could set a small club up for years off of that one game, you know, and that happens when, you know, Manchester United comes to a lower division team, it's a sellout, you know, when they come and play at the game, you know, at one of the big stadiums in England or in France, and there's, you know, 15, 20, 40, 50,000 people there, and they split the, the gate, you know, it sets a club up for potentially years going forward. And in the United States, you know, it, it has been proposed, you know, I've sat in open cup committee meetings where people have talked about we need to have higher division teams visit lower division teams in the United States, mandatory. As long as the lower division team is willing to host, the higher division team should have to come on the road. You know, we should be helping the lower division teams with this tournament. We should be setting them up for years potentially to to be better, you know, to be financially better off and more stable. You know, as we know, I mean, look, with Lansing – 
dropping out today, you know, and closing up shop in their men's and women's programs, you know, and saying they're never coming back. It, lower division soccer in the United States is very, you know, it doesn't have a lot of stability. And removing, you know, and not trying to improve the Open Cup, to use it as a tool to help stabilize lower division soccer in the United States just shows that MLS doesn't care about soccer in the United States. MLS only cares about MLS. And it is not U.S. soccer's job to allow MLS to make the rules that only benefit MLS. It is U.S. soccer's job to make the rules that benefit soccer in the United States. All of it. Every member at every level. You know, it's just as mm-hmm. ridiculous. We're having this conversation, but it's just as ridiculous that U.S. soccer doesn't have a women's open cup. We don't have a women's cup competition. Period. Sponsored by U.S. soccer. I mean, just think about that. We're going to allow, you know, MLS to opt out and not have a women's competition. U.S. soccer and that is, is the tough one right there. Derelict in its duties. Derelict in its duties. And I have to ask you this question. As a member of the West Virginia State Soccer Association, when you look at Soccer House in Chicago and you see what's been going on for like the last several years, I would say, probably the last two years, not counting the coronavirus, obviously, not counting that. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, with the comments that Carlos Cordero made as president of U.S. soccer um, about the women's team, obviously, you know, uh, people are saying, you know, women should be paid just as much as the men are, obviously. Um, now that Cindy Parlo well, let's talk, I want to talk about that for just a second. I want to talk about that for just a second. Not that we're on that subject, uh-huh. but mm-hmm. Carlos Cordero started a committee that had all of those documents reviewed, right, at every stage, all of those things. That was their job, and none of those people stepped down, and they're still on the board. I want to, I want to remind all of the listeners that he wasn't acting unilaterally to approve all the language in those lawsuits. There are people on that board right now who do their job so poorly that they were on the committee that it was their sole duty to, re- to, uh, to review all of the lawsuits, and they allowed that to happen, and they're still part of the board. Just never forget – when we talk about the leadership and we talk about dereliction of duty, it is not just when it comes to allowing MLS to do their thing. They have – jobs that they're supposed to do and that they've that they've agreed to do such as reviewing all of the lawsuits and they do it so poorly and then pass the buck off that they're allowed to keep their positions of power and they're still on the board yep and that's what i was about to get to do you feel that the presidential position of u.s soccer has now just become uh, let's just say uh, the supposed wizard and the guy who is running the wizard's face is behind the curtain pulling on the levers, 
pushing the buttons for all the fire and brimstone to be uh you know um uh shown for uh you know just for show and you know just to claim that it's the the wizard is really just a, one of us and he's calling the shots and it's not the real wizard when his face is being shown uh on a big screen of some sort i think that one of the things that i think happens is a lot of the people on the board at U.S. Soccer are scared to lead. Like, it's, e- it's, it's just – if we look at the uh, Cindy Cohn interview the other day with, um, you know, Aspen Sports where they were talking about, uh, you know, participation and the fact that, you know, not a lot of minority children are participating in U.S. Soccer, you know, youth soccer in the United States and, you know, we're going to commission this study and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. Like you all have been involved with youth soccer for decades. Some of you all run, you know, are involved. Like Cindy Cohn herself is in charge. Well, she's not in charge, but she's on the board of the NCFC youth, you know, setup. It has 35,000 children in it. Okay. Several board members represent U.S. youth soccer, have been presidents of state associations. When you look at the other members, we have, you know, Carlos Bocanecker runs an entire youth academy with Atlanta United. He's the technical director. We have all of these leaders, okay, all of these leaders who are supposed to be the most informed, you know, have their finger on the pulse of what's going on in soccer in the United States. And they either have no clue or they're scared to actually try to implement an idea to fix all of the problems which everybody know exist. Okay? It's that simple. If you're scared to fix a problem, you're scared to lead. If you sit here and go, oh, well, we're going to do a survey, we're going to do a study, we're going to do this, I'm going to kick the can down the road. You know, we're not going to do anything because there's a lawsuit, you know, and we're worried about how that's going, even though it's been going on for years already. You know, what are we, we're never going to do anything about any problem? When was the last time U.S. soccer did anything to solve a problem? We had a, a an avowed, you know, white supremacist speaking up and saying all that stuff during the AGM last year on the mic. And they, were, they wouldn't even cut him off. We have people in charge at soccer, of soccer in the United States in Chicago who are scared to lead. I normally don't get fired up like this during interviews. And for listeners who've heard me called in, call in you know, to your show before and maybe heard me on podcasts and stuff, I'm usually like much more laid back. But this situation, when it's paired with all the other stuff that's going on right now, you know, from the AGM until now. I I mean, it just has me so frustrated with the leadership of soccer in the United States that, you know, I can't talk about it without being upset. And, I mean, I think that everybody out there needs to be upset about this stuff, you know, because when we talk about harming the Open Cup and we talk about women not having, you know, an Open Cup and we talk about, you know, a thing that – I've proposed, you know, before, which is the voting strength, how the MLS gets, you know, a multiple of votes 
more than NWSL. Men's soccer gets way more power than women's soccer does in the United States. And we talk about how, you know, there's no um, live broadcast of board meetings so that people can watch them. You know, there's all the, all this stuff, all of this stuff. It's It's relatively easy to fix, quite honestly. If we cared about equality, the board would have already passed equality, you know, a voting strength for the men's and women's leagues. You know, if we cared about inclusion, we would be working towards fixing it. If we cared about, you know, openness, we'd already be live broadcasting board meetings. I mean, I can watch, you know, board meetings of county school boards with, you know, 800 kids total. But U.S. soccer, a, you know, nine-figure business can't figure out how to broadcast a board meeting. You know, they, they, they don't – they're scared to do anything because they want to keep it the same way or they're scared of the retribution of, like you said, the people behind everything that are pulling the strings. Yeah, and that's the one thing I get concerned about of what's going on with our national team and how this uh, sport is being run by supposed to be the governing body of uh, the sport in this country. That is that soccer house in Chicago. It's not supposed to be headquartered in ML in New York and where MLS is. And, you know, uh, it's, you know, and going back to, I know it's what you're saying, everything and, and what's been going on. Uh, and you, you handle, and you have to be a part of all these different meetings going on, you know, behind the scenes with, uh, not just yourself, but all the soccer state associations uh, in our country. It's just really hard to hear all this, and it's just really tough that, you know, so much positive has happened here. I think you're aware that there has been positives that has been with the Open Cup. And every time I talk to people, about the Open Cup, and they say to me, we're worried that U.S. soccer doesn't want to do Open Cup anymore, or you know, they're not going to make it like how it was. Look, I understand this year, the way they were supposed to do the Open Cup, it's not how it's supposed to be, but I've always said this, it's the pandemic. The pandemic has hamstrung them, and I kept saying, because I'd like to believe in my own beliefs that it's only going to be a one-off, well, you're not going to have every single team competing in the Open Cup because of the pandemic, and they want to make sure that everyone comes out of there healthy and nothing goes wrong. And I've always felt that they're in 2022, they're going to get back to where the Open Cup should be, how so many teams competing, so many teams going forward. And then when you see those pieces of information that you put out there, and other people have put out there representing their state soccer associations, it makes me feel angry and sad that a question like that has to be asked. And going all the way back to the original North American Soccer League, we all know that teams like the Minutemen, like the Cosmos, the original Rowdies, the original Sounders, the original Timbers, the Dallas Tornadoes, and all those original NASL teams back in the day refused to play in the Open Cup. They didn't want to be a part of it. And when MLS came into existence in 1996, they said, we want to be a part of it. And now all of a sudden, 
they're saying they don't. And U.S. soccer right now is just making things a lot worse for themselves, asking questions and wondering, oh, how would you feel if a professional team in the professional leagues didn't want to be a part of the Open Cup? I, I mean, that's just ridiculous. That's, the, that's saying if you go to England, you have nine or more professional leagues in England, and that, would that mean they don't want to do the, the FA Cup anymore? They'd rather just do the, uh, the League Cup and that's it? I, I mean, I, I, I find that ridiculous. Yeah, we're in total agreement. I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're in total agreement, and I think that anybody uh, in the United States who is a fan of all of men's soccer, you know, all of it, is a fan of the Open Cup. And I think that anybody who wants to see soccer grow in the United States and be the unique sport that it is, I mean, you talked about it, there is no other sport in the United States that has an equivalent to the Open Cup. There isn't one. And if anybody wants that uniqueness preserved, they want the Open Cup to stay, you know, with all of the professional teams participating and more and more amateur teams participating. I mean, we have, you know, over 100 teams in it, you know, before the pandemic. You know, I would love to see the Open Cup have two or 300 teams in it at the beginning. I want the qualification stages to be all over the country with teams fighting to get there, you know, to play in the first round, you know, not the qualification rounds, but the actual first round, you know, from all over the country. That's what I want to see. I think that's what everybody wants to see. And to even speculate that this is something that's going to happen, and to not just dismiss it out of hand is preposterous. It shows a lack of leadership and a lack of vision. And let's not also forget this, Chris. The winner of the U.S. Open Cup goes to the CONCACAF Champions League. The FA yep. Cup winner doesn't go to UEFA Champions League. The, Seti, uh, the, uh, excuse me, the Copa Italia winner does not go to the Champions League. The uh, Copa del Rey, the German Cup, the French Cup, the Scottish FA Cup, those winners do not go to the UEFA Champions League. U.S. soccer allows Major League Soccer to have four spots to go to the CONCACAF Champions League. The MLS Cup champion, the Supporter Shield champion, depending on which conference is won by, the non-Supporter Shield conference winner, after the regular season, and the Open Cup winner. And I understand, because of the tournament not being played last year, because of the coronavirus, Atlanta United, who won the Open Cup last, they were the representative of U.S. soccer. I don't know what's going to happen for the next uh, CONCACAF Champions League. If it's Atlanta again, maybe they should do something. I know they're supposed to be kicking some time off uh, the tournament again this year, the less amount of teams, like I said, um, we don't know what's going to happen, but for this to actually work, you're going to have to find a way to give that Champions League spot for CONCACAF. You might have to give it to the runners-up in the MLS Cup Championship because right now the Open Cup has that Champions League spot 
forever and ever and ever. And that is the big question mark, isn't it, with the PLSs that you've been talking about? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, it has a prize that's unique, you know, amongst cup championships like this in the sport around the world. And I don't know if other, if any other countries do this, you know, if they're, you know, Asian, you know, or, you know, CAF Champions League, you know, spots on the line in any of those countries. But, you know, I know that in CONCACAF it's, it's unique and, you know, Europe it's unique and it's exciting. I mean, it puts a prize, you know, it dangles that carrot out there for every USL team, every NISA team you know, NASL in the past and to try to win, you know, for more than just the money for international competition, international, you know, club competition. And that is super unique. And hopefully, hopefully the open cup, you know, doesn't change structurally and just continues to grow and continues to have this prize, this unique prize you know, along with a substantial monetary prize, you know, and hopefully we can, you know, have what we all want as soccer fans in the United States, which is, you know, one of the best cup competitions that there is in the world. You know, that's what we all want to see. Absolutely. And that's what I want to see too. The U.S. Open Cup must have the integrity of every single club in every single round in every single level of American soccer, whether it be professional, amateur, or semi-professional, if you eliminate MLS and any professional club in the lower levels of either USL Championship, League One, NISA, there's a big, big problem here. And let me also say this. To have ESPN... And using their, uh, their streaming platform and ESPN Plus to show every single match of every single round, I thought was a stroke of genius. You finally have a network. Granted, they're not on the national channel. I wish they, I wish they would at least have a game of the week on ESPN or ESPN2 just to say we're going to move these games in each and every round. This game will be on our ESPN national channel. This game will be on our ESPN2 national channel. That could even make it better. But to have it on ESPN period has been, in my mind, a stroke of genius. But I agree with you. There's got to be some sort of national sponsorship for the tournament. Because, like I've said already, and we could talk about Wigan when they beat Manchester City. In the U.S. Open Cup, Wigan, that no one in England, or even those that follow the Premier League in England, did not even give them a chance to win the FA Cup and against Manchester City. And look what they did that one year. They went mm-hmm. out and did it. They got a late goal. After going scoreless, it was a late goal, and they made the impossible happen. They beat Man City. And they won the FA Cup championship. This is why you want to see what happens here. We're never going to have another Rochester Rhinos team to go out 
and defeat the Colorado Rapids 2-0 back in 1999 to win the Open Cup title. You'll never see that again unless you're going to get an opportunity that maybe the battery might do it. You might see Louisville City finally getting a chance to do it. You might see... uh, Lower levels, at a new Red Wolves, uh, Madison, Flamingos, Forward Max, excuse me, Forward in League One. You want to see these clubs get that opportunity to go out and knock off Goliath. That's why you love this tournament. That's why I love this tournament. Because you want to see David get a chance to knock off Goliath, and you hope and pray they get to that final. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, one of the most enjoyable games that I've watched in the last 10 years was watching the Cosmos beat NYCFC. I mean, I think I was more invested in that game than any game that I've watched in a long time just because I knew how much it meant to the Cosmos supporters to win that game, that specific game. And it was amazing to watch that cup competition and how it went down and everything. It was great, you know, and the the cup does that and it provides that. It's the only competition in the, in, in the entire United States that can provide that kind of, you know, that kind of, you know, game. I mean, it, it just, it's the only thing. It's the only thing. Exactly. Exactly. And now, of course, unfortunately, uh, for those teams that did qualify for the uh, 2019 and uh, trying to play in 2020, uh, excuse me, yeah, qualify for 2020, and of course that didn't happen, and with the uh, NPSL and the USL League 2 teams, and then trying to get them in there for 2021, obviously, um, that had to get wiped out for 2022 qualifying. Uh, we'll see what happens, of course, and uh, who will go and get those opportunities, including those teams that did qualify for the first round uh, for 2020. Um, you know, tough that that whole thing got to get wiped out. But look, I, you know, it's tough. But you know, I understand. There's only you can do for so long to try and uh, hold on to those spots, and uh, we'll see what happens and who qualifies out of those two uh, under uh, under 23 amateur sides. But uh, still, though. My hope is this, and I know this is your hope too, that U.S. soccer, that they actually lead by example, tell MLS, we are the governing body of the sport. We are the ones that makes these rules for the National Cup competition in our country. You will be a part of it. Any USL or any NISA team in the professional levels, if you don't want to be a part of it, tough we run the sport in this country we are the governing body you must be a part of it whether you like it or not and this is where i hope that mls and any clubs below mls in the in the professional levels will understand you cannot opt out of the open cup what say you sir god i we we are 100 percent in agreement you know, it's time for U.S. soccer to lead right here, and I hope they lead. You know, I, I hope they put their foot down and, and you know, we, we end up with 
the the competition being what we want it to be. Absolutely. Chris, as always, I always appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you very much for your time, uh, and uh, I hope you have a good evening and hope to have you back on again soon. All right? You take care, and hope you and your family are doing well. Nope. Thank you. You know, I'm happy to be on anytime you want to have me. Awesome. Thank you very much, and you have a good night. All right. All right. Chris Kessel from the West Virginia State Soccer Association as he talks about MLS trying to opt out of the U.S. Open Cup. Um, And as I've said already, you know, this is a point where we can't have this. We cannot allow the professional sides, no matter what level they are in, first division, second division, third division. You probably talked to all the different clubs in championship league, league one, NISA, NISA. They probably say, we don't want to leave the Open Cup. We want to go and compete. And we want to face, you know, face, these, face uh, these teams and we want to face MLS teams. And I bet they're hoping MLS doesn't opt out either. Because if Major League Soccer is not going to be a part of this, well, then what's the point of having an Open Cup? What is the point of having an Open Cup if MLS is not going to be a part of it? The original North American Soccer League did not want to be a part of it. That was their fault. And could you imagine if you are a New York Cosmos supporter back in the day? Not now. Back in the day. Could you imagine if Pele won more trophies with Beckenbauer, with Roth, with Canalia, Roberto? I, I mean, could you imagine if the NESL did perform in the Open Cup? And could you imagine having... So many fans at the Dallas Cotton Bowl for the Tornadoes for an Open Cup championship or an Open Cup match. Even at RFK Stadium for the Washington Diplomats, for Giants Stadium for the Cosmos, for the LA Aztecs, probably at the Rose Bowl. Could you imagine what it would have been like for the Cosmos to be in the Open Cup For them winning five Soccer Bowl titles back then. And then having probably two to three or four Open Cup titles to add on to that. That would have been amazing. That would have been incredible. And you'd have the best players in the world playing for the Cosmos, playing for the Tornadoes, playing for the Aztecs, playing for the Rowdies, playing for the Strikers, playing for the Sounders or the Timbers to win an Open Cup along with an NESL Soccer Bowl trophy. How many times you would have seen a double by some of those clubs? It would have been amazing. It would have been fantastic. It would have been out of this world. And all you can hope for now is that U.S. soccer does not allow MLS clubs and any professional club below MLS to opt out of the Open Cup. 
U.S. soccer must put their foot down and say, MLS, no, you will not opt out of the Open Cup. And let me just say this. If MLS teams remain in the Open Cup and they're not going to put their best roster out there, fine. Let them get eliminated. Let them get eliminated. Allow them to have the embarrassment from their supporters that will yell at them, scream at them, and tell them, how dare you not take this Open Cup seriously? How dare you? How dare you? We cannot suffer another year without a trophy. We cannot have another year where we haven't even won a single trophy. Two thousand and thirteen, DC United having the worst league season they've ever had, go into that open cup season, they eliminate everyone in front of them, they get to Rio Tinto Stadium in Sandy, Utah to take on Real Salt Lake, at that time one of the best MLS clubs, winning an MLS Cup championship falling short in the CONCACAF Champions League final to Monterrey, possibly adding another cup title in the Open Cup, and they fell short again because why? Because DC United won another Open Cup championship. The first MLS club to win a double trophy season back in 1996 to beat the Rochester Rhinos after they beat the LA Galaxy in extra time to win MLS Cup title and then facing the Rochester Rhinos back in 1996 to win the Open Cup title, to win the Thomas R. Dewar Trophy. It is time for U.S. soccer to grow up. It's time for them to man up. It's time for them to woman up Go out and put your foot down and tell MLS, and please tell Commissioner Don Garber, no, you can not opt out of the U.S. Open Cup. If Manchester United... Manchester City, Liverpool, Newcastle, Arsenal, Chelsea, Tottenham. Any of the clubs that are currently in the Premier League or who have recently been promoted to the Premier League gets that opportunity to opt out of the Open Cup, the English FA would sanction them big time. This is a no-brainer. Do not get eliminated by your own league. Go out there. Perform at your best. Do your best. If you get knocked off, so be it. 
This is what the game means to all of us. This is why the game means so much to us here in this country. Major League Soccer, Commissioner Don Garber, the Competition Committee of MLS. If you're listening to this program right now, do not exclude yourself. Do not kick yourself out of the Open Cup at all. Because this is not a credible competition if you say we want out. Plain and simple. And for those Red Bull fans out there, no uh, review of the match from Saturday night as the uh, Red Bulls hosted Inter-Miami due to the severe thunderstorms that kept on rolling over and over and over again. We had at least maybe four to five storms invading the Northeast, and that hit Harrison really hard. Tons of thunder and lightning. The match got postponed. There will be a later date, and when that date comes, we'll give you the information when it does and uh, just glad to know that uh, everyone was safe and no one got electrocuted. A lot of lightning flashing all over the place. And hopefully uh, we'll have that match ready for you whenever we get that uh, makeup date from MLS. So uh, no review of a Red Bulls match, but this coming Wednesday there will be. And on Thursday there will be a Red Bulls uh, review show for that match. But other than that... I want to thank my guest, Chris Kessel, for joining me from the West Virginia State Soccer Association as we talk about the current topic of tonight. My name's Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you for listening to me tonight. And as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Take care. So long. And bye-bye for now.